who all American gunslingers present Ubaldi Reports. Hey everybody, this is John with Ubaldi Reports, the one podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on issues impacting America, whether domestically or internationally. With me, I've got the Ubaldi Roundtable with various veterans talking about issues that are impacting America. And obviously, the big thing in the news today, I mean, obviously it's been for the last two weeks, is um, the crisis in the Middle East with... On October the 7th, just to give a, a, a recap, October 7th, Hamas launched a, an atta- a terrorist attack into southern Israel, killed over 1,500 people, brutally murdering men, women, and children, then took uh, many men, women, and children hostages into Gaza. They released two Americans and I think two Israeli elderly women, um, out of captivity to you know Israeli hands and everything. So, but there's still about 240 at last count of hostages, and this is goes as young as a nine-month-old baby to all the way up in those in the elderly. So they got That's men, it. women, and children held in captivity in the um, the tunnels under Gaza. So right now Israel has been bombing and attacking God the Gaza Strip in pre- prelude to a potential. Um, invasion of the Gaza Strip, but they're also getting attacked from the West Bank, from um, Iranian proxy forces coming out of Syria, but definitely the Iranian proxy force of Hezbollah in, in Lebanon. So there's a lot of issues going on. Right now, the president, President Biden, has sent two aircraft carriers. One is the Gerald R. Ford. The other one is the Dwight Eisenhower. And then there's the 26th Mu um, Expedition... Yeah, expeditionary unit off the coast of, well, at least it's in the Middle East area. I'm not sure how far they are right now, but they're going toward, I guess, um, Israel. John, it's kind of it's kind of ramped down a little bit media-wise with, um, I mean, you're not hearing it as much. We do, there's a conflict going on. Um, but again, you know, we're not, we're not hearing as much. I do know that, did Israel kind of, not necessarily a ceasefire, but kind of withhold from a, a push through Gaza? Not yet. They're, they've done a little bit of incursions just to, to see where they're at more from their special forces. But mm-hmm. I think what the Israel is worrying about now is they're looking at their northern front. They want to make sure that they don't put everything down in the south and then they get hit by Hezbollah in the north. Um, Iranian proxies. I've got the latest intelligence from the Center, the Institute for the Study of War. This is all on class. Uh-huh. And it gives a detailed brief of all the different areas that are being engaged, not just from Israel standpoint, but what the Iranian proxy forces and what some of their military leaders, like on Monday, you had the uh, Iran Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, Cud Force commander uh-huh. was in Damascus coordinating with Hezbollah and other um, Iranian pro- uh, proxy forces to attack Israel. And then you have this week, eight about, about 19 times, Iranian proxy forces um, were attacking American forces. So that's an issue the president's got to deal with. They had a 90 attacks on Americans since he took office. So Cody and I were talking earlier, and I kind of wanted him to kind of address the subject of, you know, something that we discussed when it came to uh, Israel and um, Palestine. Yeah, I mean, just going back and forth um, throughout the history of the conflict, because it obviously has been longer since October. Oh, most definitely, yes. Yeah. Um, you go back even to 2008 with Operation Cast Lead. And so that's that's sort of what we were talking about, hoping you could shed more light. Well, it, it goes back further. 
The Jews and Palestinians have always been there. Mm-hmm. You go back pre to World War One. There was the Balfour Declaration with the British when they had the mandate over <laughs> the over Palestine. Yeah, and they stated they can have a Jewish state in Palestine. At the end of World War One, the, they carved up the Middle East. French took like Syria, Lebanon. The British had everything else, and they carved up a lot of these countries like Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and Jordan. Then after World War II, the British and the French were virtually broke because of the war and because of World War I. They mm-hmm. just, World War II finally ended their colonial reign. Okay. So then the British couldn't take it anymore. They just didn't have the money or the resources, so they punted it over to the UN. The UN came up with a two-state solution. There was going to be an Arab homeland for the Palestinians, and there was going to be one well, for okay. So we're 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 kind of going like in, like into the history, and I I mean I get it, but what we were talking about is that there was a conflict in 2008, and what was kind of almost like the reverse of what's happening now, yeah, where the, there was like hundred hundreds of Palestinians that were, in a sense, I wouldn't say slaughtered, but were you know, eliminated by by Israel. I mean, in and, the Arab wor- world, it's called the Gaza massacre. Yeah. So why, um, but why wasn't it as pronounced as it is now? So like, why weren't they, did it happen? And then well, if it, if it did, why wasn't it such a big deal? Then? I'm not sure why it wasn't. It was a big deal then, but I think the reason is people need to understand Gaza is like a very densely populated area. And Hamas, and people need to understand how Hamas got into power. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the problems that Israel is going to have to deal with if they push Hamas out or eliminate Hamas. Who's going to govern the Gaza Strip? Yeah. Now, the Gaza Strip was, was governed by the Palestinian Authority, which was the parent of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. But the uh, Palestinian Authority was very corrupt. And the people of Hamas, or the people of uh, Gaza said, we got to do enough of this. And uh, Hamas, that terror organization, was very smart in how they campaigned. They were going to do this, you know, provide infrastructure. They were going to provide schooling, taking care of the needs that weren't being provided by the Palestinian Authority. But once they got elected, they just turned on to the fundamentalist aspect, and they basically keep the Palestinian people hostage themselves. They put a lot, and we've learned this in Iraq and Afghanistan, but notably in Iraq, they put a lot of their weapons, they put a lot of their uh, their caches of different um, munitions in schools and mosques and hospitals. So if you hit a building, that may be a hospital or maybe a school or maybe a mosque, but it's being utilized as a military um, outpost for the terror organization. So you're going to see civilian casualties. And that's some of the problems that we're, Israel's facing right now. So, John, I know that me and you talked about this before, but um, when when does the um, when does the conversation start about being stretched too thin for support? Well, it's being happening right now. America is stretched thin because we reduced. We reduced our military capability over the last number of years. I know Donald Trump came along and helped to re- reshape it, but it takes years to get that to rebuild. You can't do it in a four-year period. Now, remember, we, when George H.W. excuse me, when George W. Bush became president, it was stretched thin 
And we barely could do what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan because of the eight years after the Cold War, everybody wanted to do the peace dividend, so we dropped our military um, capabilities. And that's when we consolidated a lot of our defense capabilities. What I mean by that, prior to the end of the Cold War, there was many different defense um, agencies and companies that built a lot of the infrastructure needed to sustain the modern military. When the Cold War was over, a lot of these defense countries consolidated because we weren't spending on anything. That's why the debt, the budget deficit was shrunk and was balanced because we weren't spending anything on defense and we weren't spending anything on domestic. Fast forward to today, we've put a lot of weapon systems, took a lot of our weapon stockpiled and sent it to Ukraine, but we haven't backfilled it. Now, there was an exercise done by the Center for Strategic International Studies, and what they came up, had we go to war with China over Taiwan, we would expend our military weapons reserves within a week, because you expend more in wartime than you do in peacetime. So it would take decades for us to replenish that. That's going to be a difficult time for us. So right now, we've got a conflict, a proxy war with Russia and Ukraine. You've got a potential regional war in um in the Middle East with Hamas and Israel, potentially Hezbollah and Iran, and then you got China. But the differences on this one, what Ukraine is needing is different than what the Israelis are going to use. But then that's more but, but expended. It's, but it's still there's going to be different material. So we're sending things, but we need to we need to reshape. And this goes back to even to the economic side. Because of the pandemic, we realize we outsource too much of our um, manufacturing base to um, – to China and other countries. Now, remember, President Biden was uh, in the Senate when all this took place. He supported multi, the given um, China the, being a um, most favored nation status. He opened up to allow a lot of manufacturing to go to China because he was in the Senate. He was either chairing or the the ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And then even when he was vice president. He ushered in a lot of those jobs going overseas. Okay, and one last question: um, Do you think that what's going on now is is our um, is our Congress and and more or less is Joe Biden's cabinet trying to prop him up as to being a uh, wartime president uh, because he really doesn't have much to uh, campaign on as a positive. Uh, going into the next election and he is running so are they propping him up to be a wartime president so that there's a little bit more favoritism going into the 20 i don't think they're propping him up to be a wartime president because joe biden doesn't want to be a wartime president much of the reasons why he i disagree well no but much of the reasons why he pulled out of afghanistan he doesn't want to now he's posturing now by moving the two carrier battle groups the mu and moving air assets over there but the question is, those are just posturing. The biggest thing, the problem that Joe Biden has, and this is the problem that um, was reflected in Barack Obama, especially maybe he did the infamous red line. Mm-hmm. If Syria moved or used chemical weapons, he would re- respond in kind. And when he didn't, even his secretary or his former secretary of defense, Leon Panetta, said that was the shot heard around the world for the worst because people saw us as a feckless superpower. So right now, nobody – and I have people disagree with me, but I would f- push back. Nobody fears Joe Biden in America 
because you have Russia moving, you have China on the move, you have Iran on the move, and you have millions of people crossing our U.S. southern border. And the reason I mention this is everybody bemoans Donald Trump, the big bad orange man. He was a bombastic, narcissistic individual. But in the Middle East, there was a book written by Bing West as a military historian called The Strongest Tribe. And in the Middle East, I think it was 2018, Donald Trump killed 250 Russians. General Mattis, who was Secretary of Defense, when the Russian were attacking the U.S. Special Forces compound out in Syria, he called his Russian counterpart, are you doing this? And they said no. And he go, okay. He called General Dunford, and they pounded him. They used everything. Then the Iranians saw that they killed al-Baghdadi, but the real thing is when he killed Qasem Soleimani, the Qud Force commander, and they'd set the Iranians back a couple of years because they didn't find anybody capable like he was. And they were like, they huffed and puffed, and even Joe Biden at the time, when he was not a candidate, Joe Biden, as he is, as he is now, or when he was running for president, he was against it because that's going to start a war. So... Um, going or kind of shifting just a little bit, still staying on between Israel and Hamas is where do you see the media? How are they kind of positioning uh, this whole conflict? Well, right now the media is portraying this as this is Israel's fault. Really? This yeah. is Israel's fault because you look at the Associated Press. They have it stated to the reporters. You cannot call Hamas. A terror organization. Uh, really? Yeah. So, okay, here's just an example. If they can't call them a terror organization, <laughs> what do you call an organization that goes into southern Israel, kills 1,500 people, shoots up at a peace, con a peace um, festival. festival, kills 250 innocent people, goes into homes, kills the elderly, babies, beheads 40 infants. Mm -hmm. There was one where you had a mother and a child together burnt alive yeah so and then they took 240 civilians men women and children and one as young as nine months old into captivity in the tunnels they took that so right that's out of the Nazi not a, playbook. that's <laughs> not a, a terror atmosphere now i got it some of the things i didn't agree with israel before this like building more of the settlements in the West Bank and some other things. I didn't agree with Benjamin Netanyahu, and I think after this conflict is over, I believe he's going to be out as prime minister mm -hmm. because he was trying to rechange the, the Israeli judiciary to bring in, to favor him. He brought in more hardline um, individuals into his cabinet who are very rigid on certain things. Yeah. But that said, now that you have this, and then they look at Hamas. Like, look at the, um, as an example, look at the hospital. Where do they, I mean, the very tenets of ethics and journalism, the number one, stand by the accuracy of you, your, your, your story. They failed on that one. And the number two thing is you have to vet your sources. And where do they get their source from about that hospital? The Palestinian Health Ministry, which is run by Hamas. So they were taking elements from Hamas on a story they'd never even vet. Within an hour, that story was out. It was it was done by Israel. When they did, anybody who did fact check and found out, well, it wasn't the hospital that was bombed. It was the parking lot. They took numbers from Hamas, but there was no crater. If you're bombing stuff, there's going to be a crater. Yeah, there's going. We be all know that being in the military, there's going to be a crater. So they ran with it. Then you have members of Congress 
like the squad, like Rashid Talib, still hasn't taken down her Twitter post saying this was all Israel's fault, and she has 36 million fo- um, followers on this that post alone. Is that actually you bring up a good point? Is that also um, a problem here in the United States? I know we're talking abroad, but what about here in the United States? The divide that we've seen in the cities and and even in our own in in our own capital. I think the divide comes is just like um, you had mentioned earlier when I was going through the history. Americans really don't know the history of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I've been hearing, okay, Israel has dominated the Palestinians for 75 years. That's not accurate. Palestine had a homeland and so did Israel in 1948. Then 18 years later, the Gaza Strip and the Sinai were run by Egypt. The West Bank was run by Jordan. They didn't give a homeland. There's no time in history where there was a Palestinian homeland governed and ruled by the Palestinians. So Israel is more gracious to the Palestinians. Half the population of Jordan is Palestinian, but they're not full-fledged citizens of Palestine. Egypt doesn't want them. Arabs use the Palestinians as fodder when they want to get back at Israel, but they don't want refugees pouring into their country. Because they know what will happen. Qatar... (laughs) Qatar doesn't want them, even though Qatar has Hamas headquarters on its soil. The reason Egypt doesn't want them, because uh, um, Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood took over Egypt in 2011 with the support of President Obama. And then when President Sisi, who was the chief of staff of the Egyptian military, did a military coup, and he's still there today, but he doesn't want that element in his country. That's some of the reasons people need to look deeper. Why do don't these countries do more for the Palestinians, what they say openly, but in practice, they don't help them out. They don't want them in their, pro- their they're, country. They're like the drunk brother. Nobody wants to. Yeah, they're with. like the drunk uncle or the, the, that, you, that you don't want there. What's the, so uh, there's been a few celebrities that wrote a, like a, I guess an open letter to Joe Biden telling him to uh have or that to instill peace or initiate a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. And I'm just trying to get the concept of like where do they get like the audacity thinking like they're such an important person that they could just say, Hey, you need to do this and they're gonna do that. But see the problem with these celebrities, whether they're the athletes or the entertainment world, they live in this bubble world. Everybody is like Let's just live in peace and everything will be right. If you look at the charter of Hamas, the charter of Hamas is to eliminate the Jewish state. There was a letter that they captured from a Hamas terrorist. I don't know if they killed or they captured him. And it said, if you bring a, 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 a Jew, a Jewish citizen, Israeli, mm-hmm. to Gaza, you get $10,000 in a free apartment. There yeah. was one exchange between a Hamas fighter and his parents. And he says, I'm going to kill the Jews. I killed this many. Oh, you're such a good son. You're, you're, you're honorable. Yeah, you're going to. So all these things play out. And the question is, for people who say, let's give the, the, the Palestinians a homeland, numerous times they had the opportunity to do that. Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip in 2005. I so know. look at about right now. I know why they're doing all that, because Jane Fonda did that. 
And she was nicknamed Hanoi Jane. So there's going to be a new modern day. It's just <laughs> it's going to be the Hamas Jane. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the thing is, but the thing is, I, when you listen to these individuals speak this, I'm like, yeah, you say it here. You live in your private, uh, you know, big mansion. You fly on your private jets, and you you espouse all, but you have no clue on the history of the region. I've been there. When I got to Iraq, we went into a school. I saw some of the textbooks that they were teaching these kids. It was to hate all Jews. When I went into Bahrain, when I first got there in 2002, I looked at the phone book. You know, you have the beginning of the phone book. When we did yeah. have phone books, you had a map. Yeah. yeah, the yellow books. Every country was listed except for one. Palestinian and math. that was Israel. Palestinian <laughs> math is two plus two equals four and hate all Jews. But the, <laughs> but the, other, the other problem is look at the, the one country – and remember, last Thursday, President Biden gave an address to the nation, and he talked about what's going on, and he spent more time talking about Ukraine, but the biggest country that's providing instability is Iran. Now, what did we do? First, under the Obama administration, President Biden is carrying on over that. We lifted the sanctions on some areas. We gave them billions of dollars. By negotiating. And we allowed them to, to sell oil on the open market. They went from 440,000 barrels a day to over 6 million. A lot of that's going to China. We haven't stopped that yet. We haven't reinstituted sanctions. We haven't stopped and said the, the nuclear um, arms deal they're trying to, or a nuclear agreement to end Iran's pursuit of a nuclear weapon, that's gone. And they cheated on a lot of the provisions and they violated even the U.N. provisions. We haven't p pushed back on that. So if you're going to go after one, you got to go after the snake. And that's I'm not saying bomb Iran. Put the crippling sanctions that um, Trump put on. That made Hamas and um, Hezbollah flat broke. But when are you going to do that considering the fact that they're already shooting? you got to do something now. you got to set the – I mean – the die has been cast. You got to do something now because if you push it off, and I talked to a senior level officer who works at CENTCOM, and I, and I told him it's only going to get worse, and he goes, he agrees. If you don't push back and the deterrence factor is gone, Go and unless you push back, mm -hmm. it's going to get worse, and you're going to be pushed into something that you didn't want to do because you didn't take the stand earlier on. Well, before you get the beach, baby. Do you want to do the one above it? No, below it. The one that says it's almost... Um... Like leaving the nuclear deal was a bad thing. So Bill said it's almost like leaving the nuclear deal was a bad thing. I'll get to you in a second, beach baby. It was because they focused only on the nuclear part and the enrichment. They didn't focus on the ballistic missiles. They didn't focus on the the um, Iran doing regional um, problems focusing on spending money on their um, proxies and Hezbollah and Hamas. Had we kept the sanctions on, Israel wouldn't have, I mean, Hamas wouldn't have had the money to do the things we did, that they did. I mean, it's just fact. All right, so now Beach Baby 226 says, what about what's happening on the college campuses? Do the well, students know what they're supporting? That's... She's absolutely correct, and I would say they don't know what they're supporting because a lot of these professors favor one. It's always the, the Israelis. They live in this eclectic world. They don't realize, okay, here's an example. Take Hamas. 
you have all these liberals who always support LGBTQ causes, transgender. They want to be. They want feminists. They support all these things. You'd be dead if you were in the Middle East. What law do they follow in the Middle East? None. The they follow that Sharia law. There they you don't. Go. Believe, Hamas does not believe you're gay or LGBTQ plus or whatever you want to focus on. You're dead. If you're a woman, shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. And there's many times you would be killed if you speak out. You don't speak out over there. You are told this is what you're going to do and shut your mouth. Yeah, go over Fe- there, take a visit, see how it goes for you. Yeah, so, so all these liberals, <laughs> we're bussing people around. We might as well take the, a field trip. <laughs> yeah, and all these students who push this ideology don't realize this isn't Che Guevara moment here. These are thugs. And they only want one thing, and they would kill you to get the. They, I saw that in Iraq. Go ahead. Okay, hold on. What uh, sheep? Buntet. Hold on. I think I said that right. Maybe not. Uh, what are you talking about? Students are are losing opportunities for supporting Palestinian people. No, they're not. If you're talking about people who espouse an anti-Semitic. What about Harvard? What happened to Harvard? Well, Harvard is losing, and Princeton, a lot of the Ivy League schools are losing funding because they support anti-Semitic rhetoric, anti-Semitic. If you're Jewish on some of these college campuses, and even Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked, what do you do about the anti-Semitic push across the country? I've seen there's no evidence to support that. I'm like, do you get to the college campuses? You should see the anti-Semitic that's going on on these college campuses. Anybody that says it's not is, is flat wrong. So if you support this, a lot of these companies, there was one person who ran, I think, the um, New York University Law Association. She lost a prestigious um, position at one of the corporate law firms in New York because they were not going to hire someone who's anti-Semitic. Would you hire somebody who's a racist? No. So why would they want to hire someone who's anti-Semitic? And I would challenge... Well, also, but there's also a lot more people coming out in support of Palestine, even though it's kind of like... Hamas is kind of like mixed up into that. But like, and they're very anti-Semitic. And now you're like, hey, there's this doctor who's about to cut on me and he's anti-Semitic and I'm Jewish and I'm not comfortable here. You're seeing a lot of that. And Hamas has been very effective at pushing its narrative. Like right now in this intelligence brief that I got from the Institute of Study of the War, <clears throat> Iran is going to p- keep pushing that it's the Israelis and the Americans that are killing these hostages and killing these people, even though it's them that's doing it. So would you say propaganda is very strong right Well, now? propaganda is very strong in every war. Every war propaganda. If you go back to... The, the, the best example would be the Spanish-American War. Well, we painted the, the sinking of the Maine was done by Spain. We found out later it wasn't. It was just yeah, a, a, exactly. it was a faulty we, part of the yeah. magazines, and yeah. that's yellow journalism. We do know the news networks are getting a lot majority of their information from, like I think it's the Palestinian or the Gaza ministry or something yeah, like the, that. Yeah, the health ministry. Yeah, the health ministry. So, of course, they'll be kind of pumping up the numbers to make them look like But when you have... But like I said, when you have the Associated Press telling its reporters don't report that Hamas is a terror organization, what do you consider a terror organization? So the college campuses, and I had individuals that come into the store. I've talked to a lot of people who 
go to universities and they said the same thing. If I say something that they don't like, my one person wrote on, she's a, a pro second amendment. That was one of the topics that their instructor said you can write on. She got a 20, not because her paper was, um, was faulty or it was, um, it was not the it was a clear bias. The teacher yep. didn't like it, so she got pinged for it. I went to college years ago. A lot of the instructors, one of them in particular, everything was wrong in America was because of the Republicans. And you have no voice because if you want a decent grade, this is what you get, and you, you have, have no cater. recourse. You have to cater to And there's that. been poll after poll showing about only – and a lot of these universities – Harvard in particular, they have no conservative or libertarian or Republican professors. They've been all basically, they use the word, purged out. Is that what we want? We only want one view to be heard? The way to counter someone's disinformation is to put facts and figures and challenge their argument. That's what did McCarthy in. Once someone decided to challenge him, where'd you get your evidence? And he had none. His house of cards fell apart. So if I'm wrong, prove me wrong. But don't silence me, don't suppress me, and don't be anti-Semitic. And that's a danger that we're facing in America today. Mm-hmm. And when you got a president, he was quick to call out what Trump said at Charlottesville. Why hasn't he called out all these individuals in his own party like the, the squad who keep repeating that same message that Israel's committing war crimes. So just for clarification, Bill, I am Bill says I am actively taking college courses right now, and you can absolutely write a counter paper. So am I, and you absolutely can. Um, what we're saying is that it's the teacher, it's the professor, professor. Uh, the one being biased about the paper. It doesn't. It's not saying that we can't. No, you can't. You absolutely can. It's just some of us have experienced. The fact that you know we had an opposing view and our grades well, suffered because well, of it. And Ray, Ray was actually like a, a victim, or victim, or I would say a, a, uh, a, yeah. comp- a company to that when he had a teacher fail him just so he couldn't join the Marine Corps because she was so anti. Like she wanted me to fail. Well, like out. an example, before I, I used to substitute teach at a school. It was a high school. I remember that this was in 2016. There were two students. One was supporting Trump. One was supporting um, uh, Hillary Clinton. And they were kind of going at it. They were, they were just kind of jockling with each other. So then one of the kids asked me, so who do you support? And I told him, you should not know who I support. And I told the girl, do you support Hillary? Yes. I told the guy, do you support Trump? Yes. Debate the ideas. Debate the narrative. Debate not off emotion. Maybe you learned something from her or maybe she brings up a point that you didn't fully research your topic. Like I had someone come on the podcast last week. We were talking about America's energy independence. He brought up something I didn't fully research. So I had to go back and research what he brought up. So that's how you challenge everybody. Did he say gigawatt instead of gigawatt? Or I'm not sure what he said, but he brought up something. He said but- quat instead of kilowatt. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, ooh, California. I'm going to quote Gavin Newsom, and it's kind of like, um, but you live in Massachusetts, buddy. But I mean, but he brought, but you, that's how you learn. Yes, sir. You go back and do your, you, you go back and do your, your, your due diligence. But a lot of these college campuses, if you're a 19 year old kid, you want to, or, you know, boy or girl, you're studying in your class, 
and you want to get a good grades because you want to go, let's say, get an advanced degree, and you or you just want to graduate with a high GPA, and you go to a class and it's just one side can be heard, you don't feel comfortable in poll after poll, even in law schools, feel that you can't voice your opinion. Look at the Kavanaugh hearing. They allowed Yale Law students to go to the hearings to protest Kavanaugh because they believe he sexually assaulted Christine Blasey Ford. There was no evidence they met. There was no evidence they were anywhere in the same circle. There was no evidence, no evidence to back it up that they had met or at that party together. Even people she brought up to corroborate what she said doesn't know what she's talking about. Mm -hmm. But yet... The whole fundamental aspect of American jurisprudence, you're innocent till proven guilty. The media ran with it without corroborating any of the evidence. And one of the violations of the uh, tenets in journalism was you must protect the victim, but you equally must protect the person being accused before they've been formally charged. But as soon as Joe Biden was accused of sexual assault, you notice the media said we need due process and they didn't run the story. But the Washington Post ran the story, but they didn't run the story on Joe Biden because they said we didn't have any evidence. Why did you go with one but not the other? Troll. And this is where we're at right now. Troll. I was on a college campus yesterday. Oh, yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. I was there. I called you. Yeah. yeah All I right, John. Go ahead, Cody. Yeah, I went to uh, CU Boulder, which is a very left-leaning school. That was fun. I had a bunch of conservative friends, and they definitely had to hide their opinions because they knew they knew that they would be failed or at least punished for having those opinions isn't it that's kind of sad it's almost like remember i don't know back in uh you know around a world war ii era where jews had to hide who they were in order to to get around germany so i mean and then here we are conservatives trying to get around a campus with like trying to implement our liberal views, I, I think more to your point is why you're starting to see such a mass migration. I think everybody got so nervous about, oh my God, who's coming to Florida? We, oh my God, it's going to be this and this because it's yeah. so expensive. But what you saw was conservatives who knew that the vote. I, I mean, my vote was was the equivalent of flushing it down the toilet in New Jersey. So I was like, well, my voice isn't going to be heard. And in Colorado is the same way. So I'm going to go somewhere where my voice will be heard and the action. So uh, we moved and you saw mass, mass migration of well, people came, leave the Northeast and even New I York. I came point, from John. California, yeah, but he even right. on this program, I'm not saying everybody has to believe everything I say. I don't want you to, but we, how up. many, how many times have we been, um, shut down on TikTok because we said something someone didn't like. Twice at least. At least twice. But we don't know if they changed the algorithms on some of the things I post, whether on Instagram, TikTok, or whatever. So these are the problems we're facing. If you, And again, what did Joe McCarthyan? Once finally someone challenged him on his assertions, they go, where did you get that evidence? And when he couldn't produce it, his whole house of cards fell, and that's when he collapsed. Same thing as if you've challenged people. So before I let people know where to find you, I just want to say to the team, good job. We didn't get one of those edited or yeah, comments have go. been censored today. So we'll that's see, one maybe in, next that, week we will. That's one in the bank for us. I can consider how many shows we've had on TikTok. John, how can they get a hold of us? You can go to ubaldireports at gmail.com. That's ubaldireports at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
and definitely TikTok. Let us know what you think. We're going to try to do this every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time. The goal is to do this every day because there's a lot to talk about. I want to provide information to the American people. Again, I don't expect you to believe everything. I just put the facts out. You make the decision, and you take it the way you want to take it. But that's the whole goal of the Ubaldi Reports. And this whole Ubaldi Reports forum or group is great to have different ideas and different ways of thinking. But Joe and Ray and Cody have different things that they're pushing. Oh, yeah. I think it would be great for the um, we're, community. We're now. close. I can smell the gun smoke <laughs> exiting the chamber. It's so close. You know, and we're going to have a nice establishment where you can fully exercise your Second, Second Amendment, Amendment right. right. You know, buy, sell, trade, whatever you want. Just be safe about it. So I'm actually going to piggyback off that because today, before the podcast, uh, Senator John Kennedy out of Louisiana, they managed to pass 53 to 45, the um, the Kennedy Second Amendment Rights Act. I believe it's or it's the... Uh, veteran Second Amendment rights, and basically what that was was the government, it, more importantly the VA, um, was submitting information about veterans um, not being able to have a firearm, and they actually got about 220 plus thousand veterans, I know that's not the actual number, but it, it's around there, yeah, yeah. Um, disarmed. And uh, we took stand, and we won today. So Good. Um, those veterans will have their rights back. And going forward, the VA will not be allowed to submit that kind of information to anybody because. And I appreciate, and, and I appreciate Senator Kennedy from because he's one of these really good senators that's actually looking up the rights of Americans, especially veterans. Just yep. so you know, whenever the VA asks me if I have firearms in the house, I tell them no. Yep. But I have. There you go. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great day. We'll All talk right. to you soon. Take it easy. Tell, t- tell Wednesday at 730 Eastern Standard. Keep following you, Bob.